Hello again and welcome everybody back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 93. I'm of course Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Burton. And Peyton, COVID ruins everything is the theme for today. Especially this week. A lot of good games were supposed to be on Saturday for the for the, really the whole weekend, Saturday and last night on Sunday. Um, but it got canceled due to COVID. It's starting to happen again, unfortunately. Last year, we was derailed with so many cancellations of games, big-time games that we're excited to see, a.k.a. the Baylor versus Gonzaga game, number one versus number two. Didn't get to see it to the national title this year. It's after a month off, we didn't have it. Now we're starting to get more cancellations. And unfortunately, it's making me a lot really nervous. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, We thought we had dealt with everything as far as this goes last year, but it seems like 2020 part two is amongst us. And I think we have a decision to make um, in the college basketball realm. We can either follow the lead of the NFL and what the NBA and other professional leagues are starting to do where – and Frank Martin, head coach of South Carolina, just railed on this over the weekend. There's been articles coming out where different media personnel talking to various coaches, and they're all agreeing the same thing, that stop testing vaccinated players. Yeah. We're canceling games because of unvaccinated kids, essentially, are getting sick, and it's can- causing cancellations because everybody has to go into protocols. If, you've got, if you're vaccinated, stop text- or testing healthy vaccinated kids. And let the kids who are unvaccinated set out. Yeah. Stop canceling games. Either that or go on a freaking shutdown for a couple weeks. Either way, though, I don't see the season getting shut down entirely. Can't afford it. Because absolutely can't afford it after what happened the past year and a half. But we are in that crazy time of the year. There's multiple. It's like everywhere you look, games are getting canceled. Games are being paused. Teams are going on pause. I think there's currently, as we sat here at 656 Eastern time on a Monday night. There's 32 programs at least right now in COVID protocols for one reason or another. And something's got to change because it changed the course of games over the weekend. Memphis, Tennessee, I was excited about, got canceled. Um, Kentucky and Ohio State got canceled. UCLA, North Carolina got canceled. We did make the best of a bad situation where we go over because that was a fun one. Yeah. but something's got to change because COVID is changing everything. You look throughout the week now. It's Christmas week, and we didn't have a lot of games planned ahead this week anyway. It's a very light week because Christmas falls on Saturday. Yep. But we've seen cancellations and changes, and the big one being Peyton, we'll get into this. Obviously, this week is Kentucky-Louisville week. Yep. It's the week, and it was already weird enough it was on Wednesday, right, instead of the traditional Saturday. Makes sense now that I got thinking about really because Christmas be on Saturday, but still, weird enough. But COVID protocols put Louisville out. Now it's Kentucky, Western Kentucky. We will talk about that, but it's not the same as, I mean, it's red versus blue, 70 miles apart, cards versus cats. It don't get no better than that. Couple things that I want to talk about. It all surrounds COVID. When this whole like cancelization, you talk about the vaccine. If you're vaccinated, you should not be tested at all. Like if you still get tested with being vaccinated, what's the point in getting vaccinated in the first place? It's supposed to, you know, make sure you there's a less chance of you getting COVID. Ever since I got vaccinated, I've been around people who's been sick before, and guess what? Knock on wood, I haven't been sick or haven't got COVID again. So it definitely works. 
But another thing I want to talk about, and I was going to mention this eventually, but I kept on forgetting. Going back to like high school ball, Bonnie uh, Jr., LeBron James' son, Bonnie, he plays for Sierra Cannon, one of the best high school programs in the, in the nation or in the country. And they've been making their team, when they play, have masks on. But they're not even like wearing the mask. It's like under their chin. And my thing is on that, first of all, that can't, be, that can't so, be healthy anyways. That's so stupid. And second of all, if you're vaccinated, what's the white should I have to wear a mask? That's so dumb. But get this. This is the non-common sense. We're not going to get on a political rant because we don't do that. But it's common sense is what it is. What is the point? You can't. You have to wear a mask because the particles from your mouth. But you're still going to, when you're on the bench, I'm sure the kids are pulling it down or the referees are... But you're still going to touch a ball that's universal. Everybody touches the ball. The ball's not desanitized. No. So even if you're touching the ball and you have the mask on, eventually you're going to take that mask off. And guess what kids and everybody's prone to do? Rub their damn face. Oh, yeah. So you're telling me the ball can't be not littered even, with germs? Yeah, not even that. Like, what about, you know, it's because it's you're sweating all over the place. And you're definitely sweating a lot more with the mask on if, you, if they make you have a mask on. What are you going to do? Have separate towels? And stuff like that to wipe your face off. I think it's it's dumb because if you're vaccinated, you shouldn't be tested. You shouldn't have to wear a mask at all. I don't wear my mask in public ever since I got vaccinated. I just don't see a point of doing so. And I've been perfectly fine. But we're talking about Louisville and this cancellation of this game. I knew... First of all, we played against Western Kentucky. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Yeah, we played yeah. against Western Kentucky without Malik Williams. He was in the COVID protocol. And now everybody's starting to say that Louisville chickened out of this game because, <clears throat> listen, I was going to say it on the podcast, we was going to get our ass whooped by Kentucky. Every The whole Louisville fan base, we already knew that was going to happen. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise that we are not getting to see this game because we don't want to see this ass whooping happen. But people need to do a deep dive into what actually happened because let's not forget – Yes, the players can get infected with COVID, but so can the staff, so can the trainers, so can anyone on the Louisville team be affected with this virus and be having to set out because of COVID protocol. And look at what happened to Memphis and Tennessee. Their game got canceled. Nobody blames uh, Memphis for chickening out or Tennessee chickening out. Nothing like that. I just think whenever I got COVID... I, me and you went to the mall on like Friday, Thursday night, something like that, doing some stuff. I didn't get, started feeling symptoms until like Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, they say it's at least like 72 hours. It's at least like 72 hours. So the people are saying like, oh, why didn't you cancel against Western Kentucky? Most of our players probably didn't even know they were sick because they haven't felt symptoms yet until either today or even last night. So and chill it's out not, on And that. it's not, that's the other thing about this and we'll move on from it. But they're canceling off of asymptomatic symptoms too, so they don't even have to have. They don't even have to be feeling bad. They don't. They don't have to. And there's an articles. Go search them out. Dana O'Neill from ESPN, multiple people, um, Matt Norlander from CBS. They were all talking to these coaches. I mentioned Frank Martin. They're they're explaining how this is working too. It's kids who are going to like they're taught to do. Going to the trainers, but hey, man, I don't feel well. And instantly, they're getting tested. And if it comes back that they just have symptoms, even if they're maybe not feeling like they're really bad off, yeah, they get tested. As soon as it comes back positive, you have to test the whole team. And then if you have another one, you're going on a, a short little hiatus. 
That's how it's working. So just because um, you don't even have to feel sick and it still shows up in you, but that's being asymptomatic. Yeah. We're canceling games from people being asymptomatic. They're not sick, they don't feel sick, and they're not spreading nothing. Nonetheless, it makes me sad because we were going to sit here tonight and preview Kentucky-Louisville, the best rivalry in college basketball, bar none, and now we don't know if that game's going to happen this year. I now, don't. They're saying that they're trying to find an open date, but it's going to be really hard. We're about to start heading into you know balls deep into conference play. I don't see a chance or a possibility that this game gets rescheduled at all. I, I when can we pin it on the schedule? I know Louisville. We play. I don't know who we play after this or after the Kentucky game. But I think we don't play again for like another week, and I think it's a bomb po- opponent anyways that we should win. But when, like, where would this game even happen? Where would it be rescheduled at? The only thing that would make me excited, I'm not excited, a little bit happy about it if they somehow schedule this game for like an actual Saturday, not on a Wednesday. Yeah. So we, that way it'd be easier for us. But however. It saved us from getting our ass whooped. So yeah, we'll talk about um, Western being the replacement, kind of looking into that game because Western's coming off a big win. Um, before we get into all that, though, speaking of Western Kentucky, um, we talked last week about the tornadoes and how we could help. Well, we have help for people who haven't been following along in the Facebook group that only listen to podcasts or whatnot. We have partnered with. Those familiar in the softball region know U-Triple-S-A softball is the biggest softball organization in the United States, especially in this area, the Midwest, South, and East parts of the United States. Um, one of the regional director around like Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, all that is Tim Foster in the Facebook group. He started a tornado relief drive, and we've partnered with them. You can go to the the Facebook link has everything, but basically how it works is if you're in this area or even you're around this area, whether it be Cincinnati or somewhere close in Kentucky like Louisville or passing through, there's a destination near us that a local drop-off you can drop off. They need stuff like underwear, socks, um, shoes, essentials like that. But if you ain't got that and just want to drop off – water or anything all donations can go to that building we will post it when i post this show and it's in the facebook group and there's also a um a venmo account that's open where if you're out of state or you just want to donate any sort of anything helps like you've seen all the the fundraisers university of kentucky's done one that raised over four million dollars the football and basketball teams combined um the the telethon they had back last tuesday Donations from Ohio State's came in, Iowa, all sorts of places. But there is never enough because if you've seen the devastation, it's going to take a long time. So anything helps. So we're doing our part to help that region down there. Yeah, and before the Louisville-Western Kentucky game, obviously we had to travel down to Bowling Green. When most of this stuff happened, the tornadoes and the, you know, the destruction left behind when the Louisville traveled on like a Friday night as soon as I got there they had like a bus full of like toys and a lot of bunch of stuff to help make these kids Christmas uh, basically a Christmas miracle because obviously the kids parents and anybody who lives in like Mayfield Kentucky or the places in general that's got hit and bad by these tornadoes the least trying to do their best to help and help make sure Christmas is special for these kids and everyone you know, around the surrounding area. So, yeah, make sure you donate if you want to donate. Uh, anything helps. Anything helps at all. Yeah, absolutely, any and everything. But enough about the bullshit COVID, canceling the best rivalry in college basketball. Uh, By far. And all that. 
we've talked about it, so let's go ahead. And, there was going to be my initial leadoff, but I think it's a good enough segue. We've talked about cancellation in Louisville, Kentucky. We've talked about the tornado relief fund. You've alluded to it. So, Peyton, on Saturday afternoon, the Louisville Cardinals went or across the state to Bowling Green to play Western. Western's already beat the hell to Ole Miss. They've got some good wins. Of course, they've been one of those teams year in and year out. They've had Charles Bassey and Tavon Hollingsworth. They've had some good teams, and they just keep losing like bad games they shouldn't lose and beat everybody else. Well, they're a similar situation. They were 7-4 and four coming into Louisville, but, boy, they, they gave Bowling Green something to smile about for two hours because they throttled Louisville from start to finish, it felt like. Talking about – that's actually a really good segue. I'm glad we're starting with this game because – if we would have played Western Kentucky last year, which we might have, I don't even remember, and say we would have, with this whole, with both of our squads, we'd have played last year, I'd have been probably a lot more pissed off than what I am right now. But the only reason I'm not as pissed off as I was, or probably should be for this game, or this loss that we had, is because it's everything that's been happening in Kentucky. And Western Kentucky as a team, um, the surrounding areas, they needed this win. It's a good, feel-good win for them. So, bravo to them. They played they played out of their minds. They started off the game hitting, like, back-to-back threes. And then, by, before you know it, we was down, like, 15-7, to 15-6. And Cameron Justice was unbelievable. Yeah. I'm going to, let me see. Let me pull up the stats real quick if it lets me. Um, Saturday, let's see here. Justice ended up with 25. He hit seven three. Uh, was seven? Or no, I'm sorry. He hit six threes. Yeah, six threes against Louisville. He was tremendous. Um, uh, at I one point, it. here's the th- crazy thing. While you're pulling that official stat lineup, um, when I was watching it, I told you it was early in the first half. The first ten minutes, Louisville, or Western, I think would stretch the lead to maybe seven or eight points. But both teams would hit seven threes at the. Like, each. Yeah. Louisville hit seven. Western hit seven. Like, in the first ten minutes, I was like, Jesus. So, I got those official stats pulled up real quick. And another thing, I talked about in the DePaul game. But for some reason, they zoned us for the majority of the game. Yep. A couple possessions, they throw it out of man-to-man. That's only because we was hitting shots ourselves, which finally we started doing. Unfortunately, our defense laid an egg. But... We could just cannot get to the free throw line at all. Seven attempts from the free throw line. Western Kentucky, 25 for 31 free throws. DePaul game, we shot three free throws the whole game. So that's basically 80 minutes of play, and we shot, what, 10 free throws? And before you get onto that, I think DePaul laid a lot of the groundwork against Louisville because they ran they ran the matchup 2-3. But Western ran a 2-3, and Louisville, yeah, they hit. How many did you end up with hitting? Uh, 12 threes. 13 out of 36. 13 threes is really good, but you got baited into shooting 36 of them, and like you mentioned, the lack of free throws. The same way against DePaul, you just didn't hit that many threes against DePaul. Um, for whatever reason, right now, Louisville's just falling in love against zones, just chucking the three and not attacking the rim like they should, which is bad news because – in the ACC, you've got one team in specific. That's all they run is a two-three. Yeah, and I know. Yeah, and we're going to get beat by them. I guarantee you in Syracuse when we play them. Um, Jalen Withers, listen to this shit. If you remember before the season started, we talked about talking about exhibition games, and I said that there's rumors that, oh, well, not rumors, but everybody was saying that Jalen Withers was going to lead us in scoring. Mm-hmm. You remember me telling you that? Twenty-one minutes of play. 
one point, six rebounds, two assists. Mm. And he, the only reason he got the start in this game because we mentioned that Malik Williams was out, which he Malik Williams is our best and our most consistent and our most, I don't know, best defender, best offensive player. He's our best everything, best rebounder. He gives the most effort day in and day out. I feel, I was thinking about this last night. I feel extremely bad for him because, if I remember correctly, he came in. Rick Pitino recruited him as a five-star from mm-hmm. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yep. Unfortunately, I don't think he didn't get to play for Indiana. Well, not Indiana. He didn't get to play for Pitino because that year he came in, there was the year that Padgett was our coach yep. because Pitino got fired. So let's just look about it. Because, listen, I'm going to go ahead and say it. We're not making the tournament. Now with this team, it's been a month and a half into the season so far. Ain't no chance in hell we're making the tournament. Let's listen to this. 2017, played for David Padgett, missed the tournament. The next year, 2018, we made the tournament Minnesota. with Chris Mack. Minnesota beat you. But got beat first round by Mar- Minnesota. Marcus Carter. Year after that, we had a top 10, top 15 squad all year round. COVID happened. Yep. Last year, nice. solid team, missed the tournament. Yep. This year, going to miss the tournament. So what? That's, if you want to take the COVID year out, that's fine. If you want to scratch that. He made the tournament one year and got put one out first year round. And got put out first round, and he's missed it three times now. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, it's either that or he's finally playing the best basketball. He's probably played since high school. And then, you know, COVID. I don't know what's going on, man. You guys, I feel like you should be better. That's four losses now before the month of January. Um, and maybe you're right. I, I'm still in the mindset the rival games, it doesn't matter because stuff happens. Um and we're a different style. We're not going to zone you. We're going to play man-to-man, give, maybe give you more looks. But I'm looking. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when you did your rant. Noah Locke, is, I think he's hurting you guys. I think he'll he'll hit a big shot when you need it here and there. But he's not the player who everybody thought he was coming in. And I think I think he's hurting you. I really do. What's happened to L. Ellis? Remember all this talk in the preseason? And everything, how good he was going to be, he shied away. You guys just have a, well, a real problem on offense right Hold now. on. Let's talk. I'm glad you mentioned that. He played 16 minutes, 9 points, 3 out of 4 from 3-point line. Why in the hell is he not starting? Over, look at Jared West. 35 minutes, 8 points, 4 assists, 1 rebound. I mean, yeah, sure, that's okay. Noah Locke led us in scoring with 20. But boy, oh boy, did he take some dumbass shots. That's what I'm talking about, though. He'll, If you look at his stat line, he'll have – he reminds me of, like, Monte Ellis when he played for the Pacers and Golden State Warriors. He'll have some crazy numbers at the end of the night. You'll look, you have 20, 25, 30 points. But you look at his stat line, and it's 8 of 37 from the field. If it takes you that many shots to get that few points, something's wrong. J.J. Trainer played one minute. And I don't really remember him. Get, I don't even remember him year. getting any minutes. Remember, I told a, you last year I loved that kid. He needs to be playing more. As bad as we are, what what can go wrong with him playing more? What we're gonna lose a couple more games? We've already lost four games within a month and a half in the season already. At least and he needs effort. Effort, yeah. That's a, and because he'd play hard. He did. He would do exactly what Dante Allen did for Kentucky last year. And one last thing I'll say about this: talking about in this on Chris Mack. And why I am now fully on board with him leaving Louisville after year four. And I don't know who said it. 
it was one of the Louisville sports writers or something like that, but they said it perfectly. And Nick Coffey, I think it was, said he's in year four, and this is the product yeah. that we have right now. I His time is up. Mike Piggy should least be the interim coach because we played so much better with him as a head coach than we did with Chris Mack. We lost to Paul when we played them at home. Let's, listen, let me talk about this actually quick. The loss against Furman was our first loss in the month of November at home in like 20-some years. Been a long time. That's one thing. Two things. DePaul, we've beaten them like the last 10 meetings we've played. From 1995 to 2013, we was in the same conference. They haven't beat us in a long, long, long last time. We go to at Bowling Green at Western Kentucky. They beat us. You know the last time Bowling Green, or not Bowling Green, Western Kentucky has beaten us in Bowling Green? It's been a long time. 1950. He hasn't said it's been a long time. And the Michigan State, that's fine. They're a really good team. So tell me why I should be, I should have any other opinion besides Chris Mack needs to go as soon as possible. His time's up. I, I don't want to see this crap. About giving him chances. And it makes it worse. I think there's a little bit more leeway, but you guys just came off of bad scandal. And then he's involved in some potentially, whether he did it or did not do it, it's not a good look coming into the year with Dino Gaudio is what he's claiming, he did, how he acts and what he did. And then he's, because he, he's suspended early on. And then you guys play like this. I don't know. Something's seriously wrong. The good news is there's a lot of season left to get it turned because I've seen it. Trust me, I've seen it. But not a good start. Four losses now. You gotta give I wanna give credit to Western and we'll transition to their right, matchup now fine. with Kentucky. But Western played their ass off. Rick Stansberry is a good coach. It's about time Western starts knocking teams off like this, because we've mentioned the last three or four seasons, they've had good players. They they'll play good in games like this. Mayor last year, they started the year off beating Memphis's ass. Yeah. But They'll fall against teams like North Texas. North Texas has been good, but that's not a good example. But like Tulane or somebody. Yeah. You can't be doing that. But that's a good win. Cameron Justice was lighting the gym up. He was, boy, and they were in some good offense to get Louisville on the, out of that pack line, like all out of sorts. Screen the screener, dive to the rim, and then the, the three-point shooter and Justice to get a screen for a little curl shot. Good offense. Good win for Western Kentucky. Louisville's in dire straits. Um Let's talk real quick about Kentucky. Obviously, they plan. We talked about they're going to play Ohio State. Plans change because of COVID. North Carolina, North Carolina should probably burn them black jerseys because they got whooped. The best Kentucky I've seen in a couple seasons. It's been. It's been it definitely what last year. No, it's been know. at least since that COVID year with Manuel quickly. Now we look pretty good. Like you go back to Texas Tech game at Texas Tech. Um, where Ashton Hagen's a company, we came out with the win in overtime. Maybe that was one of the last ones, or when we come back uh, against Florida. Like, But it's been a minute since we've looked that good. Yeah. And the Cats looked dangerous. If they play like that, Coach Cal admitted that the Notre Dame loss taught him something, that we can't just keep pounding the paint, which was weird because we demanded that late in the game to keep going to Oscar. But he said we have to – Open up the offense, right? Something that Kentucky fans and everybody else knew for a long time now with all these shooters. And we open the offense up against North Carolina. And, uh, took care of the basketball, hit some threes, and just ran it down North Carolina's throat. 
The best rebounding team in America is still Kentucky. Number two, or at least in the top five, is North Carolina because they're plus 13. We're plus 19 on the boards, and we throttled them on the backboard. Here's a stat. Actually, I heard on Coach Cal's radio show on my up here to record with you tonight. Uh, Tom Leach, the voice of Kentucky basketball, or Kentucky sports in general, um, actually told Cal and Cal didn't know. North Carolina this season has played seven foot four Zach Eady and seven foot Hunter Dickinson of Michigan. Do you know how many offensive rebounds combined that those two had against North Carolina? Nah, I have no clue. Goose egg. Zero. That's how good North Carolina has been. <clears throat> so what Oscar did with all of his offensive rebounds, Kellen Grady had six rebounds himself. Kentucky had – do you have the official stat line here? Uh, rebounds are total. They had 41 total. Four, we out-rebounded them 41 to 24. 16 offensive rebounds. Kentucky wins 98-69, and it was a – throttling. It could have easily been 40 had Kentucky not put the reserves in the last 90 seconds. Yeah. I mean, have you seen Kentucky look that good in that long of a time? It's been... You can say, you know, the COVID year, because they, they had some really good wins. Obviously, the Louisville win. Start the U off and the Michigan State win. But I can go back to when they had Malik Monk and Darren Fox and they beat up on Carolina. Um, what was, That was in... Was that Vegas? Was that Vegas as well? Against Carolina, the Malik Monk, Darren Foxier, Bam Adebayo. Was that at Vegas? Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They looked very impressive in that win against Carolina as well. This Carolina team, I expected so much more from this in this game. And they're a better team they showed. I think part of it's due to their lack of effort, and the other part, Kentucky was hitting on all cylinders. Not even that. 13 three-pointers was attempted by North Carolina. And some of them, they you know they had wide-open opportunities to hit. Seventh best three-point shooting team in America coming shooting in. Shooting over like 41%. 41%. Yeah. And this is what you shoot 8% from the three-point line. You get dominated off of the glass. That's two things. And after the past five to ten years, especially since ever since Roy Williams got there, that that's like notorious for North Carolina. They crashed the glass. Top five rebound team year in and year out, and they hit a lot of shots, and they did neither in this game. This game was pretty much over with like the first five minutes. Kentucky got on the lead; they was up like twenty to nine or something like that, maybe a little bit uh, lower score for North Carolina. But Kentucky came out just straight firing, clicking on all cylinders. Xavier Wheeler was oh, the player of the game: twenty-six points, thirty-two minutes. Three boards, eight assists, 12 of 15 from the field. He hit the most ridiculous shots I've seen a kid hit in a long-ass time. He got a lot of those scoop layups. I'm just like, how the hell does he get that over a guy like Amando Baquette? He got everything he wanted. The Carolina guards couldn't keep him in front. No. Even if when they finally forced him to go right, he still finished with the left hand. Um, he was tremendous. The best I've seen Xavier Wheeler play. Uh, not quite clear how he scored 27 in a game for Georgia, but still, that's the best overall game. Controlled the floor. His speed is world-class speed on the basketball floor. He's a blur. Kentucky gets out and run. Carolina just looked like they did not want to be there, and Kentucky looked like they had something to prove. And I'm telling you right now, go back to the last week when we were talking. I was down on Notre Dame, or I was down after Notre Dame loss. This has got me re-energized because I'm like, boy, if we could just give that. We're not going to beat every team like that. But if we give that type of effort and just play that hard and connected, 
Um, it's a different ball game now. If this is a team that Kentucky can have the rest of the remainder of the season, SEC play into a tournament, Kentucky's a Final Four contender. Yeah. Without a doubt, they hit shots. They're starting to defend a lot better than what they did at the start of the season. They're a great rebounding team. They can get out of line or they can slow it down if you want to. They can do everything. And... They blitzed North Carolina straight out the gate. Bad, bad. Second um, largest victory in this series all time. Um, the largest since 1950-ish when we beat Car- – I think it may be 1955 when we beat Carolina 83-40, I think, or 83-44. So, big time win for the Cats. Carolina, boy, Hubert Davis was just like – they just throttled us. Got to give credit to Oscar Shibway too because – uh, and Armando Baycott. Baycott kept this game from being a 50-point game. Dude. He was North Carolina's only answer. But also, Oscar, he didn't score hardly anything against Oscar. Oscar goes out. Baycott puts up like 19 in the first half after he goes out. But Oscar came back in. Baycott very quiet in the second half with like four points, I think. Yeah. Great win for the Cats. Carolina got some work to do. But that that's a good Carolina team. I don't want people to say, well, Carolina is not good. That's a good Carolina team. But Kentucky throttled them. It shows you with this loss, Carolina's loss, I, I don't know who posted it on Twitter, but someone, I think maybe Jeff Goodman posted it about it. But he said, like, Carolina's predicted to finish at least a second right now. Everybody's calling them the second best team in the ACC behind Duke. And they just got their asses whipped by Kentucky. ACC might be only like a couple bid team or a couple bid league this year. I see four at right now. I see three. Duke, Carolina, Florida State. It's probably That's it. Maybe not. North Carolina State if they get it together. Maybe. I mean, even then, it might be only a three bid lead for the Ooh. ACC this year. Boy, the top twenty-five came out today. I know we're not obviously not keeping a track on things, but. The SEC and the Big 12, is, I think SEC has six teams in the AP poll, and Big 12 is right behind them with five. Yeah. Um, Jesus, man. Good Great stuff. Great win. Good stuff from the Cats. Carolina's got some work to do. They just can't – they can lose. They just can't lose in that fashion. Um, speaking of Kentucky, let's segue. We've talked about it. They do have a game coming up. I know we're kind of all over the place, but this is different. We're recording at a different time. We've got breaking news, so bear with us. Um, Kentucky, Western Kentucky on Wednesday night inside Rupp Arena, Peyton. I know we should save this for previews, but we're already talking about so why the hell not. Western coming off the big win against Louisville. Kentucky, obviously, massive win against North Carolina, starting to turn the page. Not the not the marquee value that Kentucky-Louisville would have, but still a very quality game. Kentucky, by the way, Cal Perry did say he reached out to Gonzaga, he reached out to Ohio State, and reached out to Texas, of all teams, to try to schedule a last minute. They all need games. Um, all of them agreed to home and home. They all won it, which actually means Kentucky would go to those places next season, which would be great. But for one reason or another, it didn't happen because of scheduling conflicts or COVID protocols. So Western was a good alternative. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think Western can keep it close. But at the end of the day, I do see Kentucky winning because of that backboard battle. Um, unless Western comes in and carries that momentum from Louisville game and just hits a shit ton of threes, I can see Kentucky winning by between 12 and 15 point margin. Here's the thing with this game. You guys now have to deal with what we had to deal with. Because they're probably going to zone you like they did against us. Well, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll change it up. But I have a feeling they're probably going to zone you for at least to start the game. And if you start hitting some shots, then they'll throw out man to man. 
But now you get to deal with a tallest player leads the nation in blocks, 6.3 per game, and sparks from Western Kentucky. He's seven foot five, averaged 6.3 blocks per game. If he's not blocking shots, he's at least def- making you obviously affecting your shot some way possible. Now you guys get to deal with that, and I'm interested to see. How guys like Shebray, Damian Collins, if he's plays, Lance Ware, and all the guards you have. I'm interested to see how that's going to work out. Good now. good point, because if they do zone, which they probably will, because of why wouldn't they, um, how well they could neutralize our down low presence. I still think Oscar is just being Oscar is going to find a way to offensive rebound. I just think that's in his DNA. But it, for Western to win this game, obviously got to hit some threes yeah. to spread out. Make that zone compact, and hopefully we miss – and I think this is a game where um, if you see early where the big man is affecting, affecting the rim a lot, if they stay in the zone, we might see a small lineup where Kentucky just puts a bunch of shooters. We could see a lineup at any time with Davion Mintz, Kellen Grady, um, Keon Brooks. Maybe probably Severe will stay in there, but like an all-shooting lineup, Ty Ty Washington, smaller to spread out that zone and create some havoc. Um, and maybe just say we'll forget about the offensive glass for right now. It, it's going to be interesting. I think you're a very good point. I do think Kentucky finds a way to win this, but I think Western makes it interesting. It'd be a good challenge. Western is 101 in Ken Palm and in the top 120 in the net rankings. So they would qualify for – I know it would be a quad two net ranking-wise, but to me I think it's more of a quad three. Yeah, uh, Western Kentucky is a really good team. Uh, especially this year, but I think it's going to be the play. It's going to be guard play that wins this game. I'm interested to see the matchup between McKnight for Western and uh, Xavier Wheeler from Kentucky because Wheeler's he picked a couple kids. R.J. Davis he gave him problems in that North Carolina game, especially in the first half. So much that they had to have Caleb Love come play point guard. He was like Ashton Hagen's but smaller. Tyler U.S.S for Kentucky in that North Carolina game. So I'm interested to watch that matchup between McKnight and Wheeler. Either way, it should be a better game. It should be a better game than what it was uh, that could have been for the Kentucky of Louisville, and I'm excited to watch. And this could be theoretically for the, the state championship because um, it, it, you were joking. You said, well, we'll, we'll say the, the owners of the Bluegrass, but I said if you go by the uh, transitive property, you guys were, but then you lost the crown to Western – now, Western's defended against us, so if we win, then we'll take the, the crown of the Blue Roulette. But literally, if Western wins this, they're definitely the, the crown of the, the state. They're the kings of the state. Actually, the state rankings right now in the state of Kentucky could be fun because there's some good teams. I think Kentucky's number one. You could argument Western number two. The Western's 1,000. They just Murray, number three, because they've beat Memphis and yeah. stuff. Louisville, four. Yep. And then you, from there, you could probably go Eastern's not terrible. Bellman. Um, Bellarmine's played the number one schedule in America. Um, Eastern, and then probably Bellarmine, Northern Kentucky. There's some good teams in the state of Kentucky. Now, I think Louisville will get it right. But, yeah, Western versus uh, Kentucky, we don't play very often. Not at all. We don't play very often at all because it's a dangerous Not game for one why. reason or another. So, and plus, it'll go. they're going to do something for the tornado relief, which is a great deal. Um, so, yeah. So, COVID and everything, but make the best of bad situation. But Kentucky, looking good. Let's hope the momentum continues to roll on. Um, Peyton, actually, what do I want to do right now? Um, we haven't done it in a while since we're kind of bouncing all over the place. Let's go ahead and take our one and only commercial of the break. 
Um, I got to plug in this laptop anyway so we can continue to roll on. Let's take our one and only commercial of the break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk more about other action because the Crossroads Classic, um, final sec- or final version of that for right now, Purdue and Indiana both look good, both quality wins, and some other action I wanted to talk about. So let's go ahead and roll into our Manscaped-sponsored break. Uh, first commercial pause for the cause, whatever you want to call it, and when we come back, we'll talk more action and keep this train rolling. You're listening to episode 93 of the Everything College Basketball Podcast. We'll be right back in just a minute. Everything College Basketball listeners, what's going on? It's Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And I'm here to let you know how you guys can catch up on all the latest and greatest in the world of pro wrestling. You guys can go to youtube.com, type in everything pro wrestling, give us a subscribe. We are over a thousand subscribers now, and we have achieved a YouTube partnership. If you guys want to be in the live chats, come on in, join us and talk pro wrestling. We record AEW Dynamite every Wednesday. We also talk about WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and your local indies, and much, much more. So make sure you guys are subscribed to everything pro wrestling. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. All the live streams are transferred right onto there. But enough of me talking about pro wrestling. Let's get you back to listening to everything college basketball. Hey, Peyton. Hypothetical question. If you were looking for somewhere to take care of your balls this holiday season and not have them nicked up, how do you think you'd handle that? Well, I would definitely go to Manscaped. Because if you want to take care of your balls, then I highly recommend for you guys to get the Perfect Package 4.0. In this Perfect Package 4.0, it's a kit and it comes with these included. It comes with the Lawnmower 4.0, which is an all new skin safe electric trimmer. It comes with the LED light on there, uh, rechargeable batteries. Very good stuff if you want to, you know, take care of the crown jewels down below. It also comes with a crop preserver, anti-chafing ball rodent, which I absolutely adore. With, also, it comes with crop reviver ball spray toner. You combine those two together, glorious. Not only to mention, it comes with a magic mat, or what they call a magic mat. It's basically just a disposable shaving mat that you can put under your feet. That way, once you're you know, taking care of your business down low, and you just put it on the mat and you just throw it in the trash when you're done with it. And also, it comes with two free gifts. It comes with a travel bag so you can put, put all your stuff away pretty easily uh, if you're traveling. And not only to mention, it comes with the Manscaped boxers, anti-chafing boxers, not to mention. Josh, all this stuff is high quality stuff. So you're telling me, hold on, you're telling me there is a product out there, the Lawnmower 4.0, that has an ergonomic feel to it with an LED light that also they throw in in this package a ball deodorant and a ball toner that makes your balls feel nice and toasty. Yes, you indeed heard that correct. And they went ahead and threw in a mat, so no clean or fast cleanup and no mess. Exactly. Peyton, not only if there was such a company out there that had these wonderful products, and if there was only such a code out there where you could get everything 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Well, lucky news, we have that here at Manscaped. Because if you go to manscaped.com and when you're checking out, make sure you use promo code ECB for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. 
Josh, Christmas is now five days away. It is almost Christmas time, and I cannot wait to open a lot of presents. Talking about Christmas, if you want the best products for your crown jewels below, you gotta go to Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products, including the all-new Ultra Premium Body Wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. With that being said, head over to manscaped.com and use code ECB for 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and make sure to use code ECB. Fellas, it's time to clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Absolutely. I'm sure you would have had your uh, your crop preserver on during that Kentucky-Louisville game should have happened because I'm sure them balls would have been sweating. They <laughs> definitely were. I get Yeah, they definitely were if, if, if that game would happen. Unfortunately, we're not going to see it. Um, like we mentioned, Peyton, Crossroads Classic action, the last one for at least a good while. Um, up in Indianapolis, involved the four premier schools inside the state of Indiana. You had Indiana playing Notre Dame in the second. Well, it was the second game, but it'll be the first one we talk about real quick. Good back and forth action. Notre Dame tried to keep the the momentum rolling. They look good. Blake Wesley continues to look like a pro. But at the end of the day, Peyton, Indiana comes out with a very good win for them, sixty four fifty six over Notre Dame, stretching the game late. Trace Jackson Davis continues his All-American assault and pursuit on the nation. 17 points. IU looked pretty good in this one. IU looked really good in this one. Talking about the Louisville West Co- Western Kentucky game, a lot of that game I just stopped watching because I was so pissed off about it. And I went and watched this Indiana Notre Dame game in the second half. It was a five-point game the whole second half, really the whole game. The reason why Indiana won this game, though, is because A, they defend the ball really, really well, and B... They hit some shots, which hasn't been the case for previous IU teams. They went 8 from 20 from the three-point line. Notre Dame, on the other hand, 4 of 22. That's the difference maker right there. Yep. Indiana, 40% from three. Let's see if Indiana can keep this momentum rolling because I think right now they look like a tournament team. Trace Jackson Davis having a tremendous season under Mike Woodson. Uh, You see a lot of guys. Um, Parker Stewart's looking really well for him as well. Right now, I think, and of course, you know how I feel about Tamar Bates. Um, I don't think he played in this game or played much in this game whatsoever, but I think Indiana's got a very good team. Good win over Notre Dame. Uh, I kind of figured that happened. Notre Dame playing at home, played up against Kentucky. But the game before this, Peyton pitted number three Purdue playing Butler, and it was a slaughter. Purdue 77, Butler 48. Jaden Ivey is the most fun player in the country for me to watch. And he got a shout-out from John Morant, too. John Morant said, basically along the lines, shout-out to my little bro. Love watching him play. Uh, Ivey finished the game with 22 points, 7 of 10 from the field, hit all six three-pointers. If there was any hole in his game coming in this year, there was question mark. I guess it would be a three-point shooting percentage. He's lighting it up. I love this team. And Travion Williams started. They put Zach Eady to the bench because Williams has been playing so damn well coming off the bench. He earned his starting spot back, 10.6 boards. Um, Purdue's so deep. I think they're the deepest team in the country. And I still, despite the loss that they had, I, I told everybody that was a fluke. I think that they're still my favorite to win the title. 
Butler kept this close, around like three points to five points, pretty much that whole first half. And then second half, Jaden Ivey took over, Travion Williams down low, a beast, Zach D coming off the bench, cleaning up the glass and scoring points as well. This Purdue team, like you said, they're deep, they're talented, they can go eight to ten deep if they want to, and they got some players that they can start playing more as well. It doesn't matter who's in the starting lineup. They're definitely one of the top three premier teams in the nation. Great, great display of, you know, everything all around basketball between Purdue. Purdue's still the number one team in Ken Palm and adjusted offense in on the year. Um, so they continue to roll. Peyton, we had a couple big upsets throughout the week as well. Memphis, earlier in the week, got... Somehow they managed to get the ship right against Alabama of all teams who had been rolling. Coming off wins against Gonzaga and Houston, they played Memphis. We knew Memphis has always been talented. They just haven't figured it out. But in this game, Memphis 92, Alabama 78. Good, good win for the Memphis Tigers. And I think it keeps their hope alive of salvaging this season. DeAndre Williams, 20 points. Jalen Duran, 14. Lester Canonings, 12 off the bench. Not much from Imani Bates, but everybody else stepped up. Lander is not only 13. And then Tyler Harris, 11 off the bench. Memphis looked good. Memphis looked real good to beat this type of Alabama team. They looked good. If you look at the stats here, the stats, if you look at just the stats, I only didn't watch this game. You would think this game was a lot closer than what it, it was. But Alabama, 46 from the uh, 46.46% from the field. Uh, Memphis, 53. That's not bad. That's close. Three-point line. 10 of 33. That's 30% from Bama. 25, 35% from Memphis. Rebounding was only down to one point or one rebound. So the whole stats was close. It just, I'm telling you what, take the opposite of what I've said so far this year. Yeah. I said this game, Bama's going to win by 20, and they end up getting beat almost by 20. So great win. Yeah, and Alabama, 20 turnovers. Memphis had 17, a sloppy game at times, but good win for Memphis, and I still think it puts everybody on notice because a team, we've seen it with, you name it, Kentucky over the years or whoever, they may struggle, they've got four losses, but a win like that could spark a talented team like that into the next realm. So be curious. I th- that's why I was so excited to see them play Tennessee had it not got canceled. Yeah. I think they was going to beat Tennessee and really prove a point, but it will be curious to see if Memphis in their next three or four games – can really keep that momentum because if we're sitting here in a month from now and Memphis still only got four losses, um, I think it's time to start putting Memphis back in the conversation. Uh, actually, let's look. What what is their next? Um, they got Alabama State, Tulane, Wichita State, Tulsa, and before they get to Cincinnati on January 9th. So on paper, that should be another one, two, three, four victories that'll put them at ten and four. If they could beat Cincinnati, then they've got UCF, East Carolina, SMU, Tulsa. Peyton, schedule's favorable for Memphis. They just got to win the games they can control. Without a doubt. They can't be just giving up games against Tulane and, you know, the opponents they got coming up soon because now they're going to get in the conference play and they got the marquee win that they needed. This could have potentially saved Penny Hardaway's job and kept him off the hot seat. So, great, great win for Memphis. Absolutely. And the other big one, Peyton, we kind of alluded to it um, last week. Didn't officially predict it, I don't think, but Creighton on Friday night, mm. hold home court against B- uh, Big East foe Villanova. I feel like over the last couple of years, Doug or Greg McDermott's clubs always play well against Villanova. That was... They beat them by 20. 
wasn't even really that close there in the second half. I mean, Creighton, 9 of 23 from three. I'm telling you right now, Villanova's struggling to score the basketball right now. I don't know what their problem is, but they do not look like the team we thought at the start of the year. And remember last week we talked about, yeah, they've played a brutal schedule, but they've only got one really marquee win. Yeah. Or two, I guess, right? They beat – who did – they beat – Oh, my God. I Tennis. Just, oh, my God. Hold on. I just went blank. Uh, they beat – was it Carolina? No. How do they just – oh, they beat Tennessee. That's who it was. They beat the shit out of Tennessee and lost to Purdue in that tournament. So, they at least got a good win against Tennessee. Just That's the thing. If they're not hitting shots, they shot 17% in this game, 4 out of 23. If they're not hitting shots, then their offense is just non-existent. They got to find different ways to score. And how is a team that shoots 36% from three also equally as bad from inside the three-point arc – they're, almost, they're towards the bottom of the nation and two-point percentage, only shooting four, basically 47% from two. I, I just don't see how you can shoot so well from beyond the arc and then inside basically layups and dunks miss that many. And also they do not get to the foul line as much as other teams. So Villanova um, may be a little overrated. Uh, especially in these last three game skids. Uh, they lost two in a row now. So, so good win for Creighton. Peyton, being Christmas week, we kind of allude to it. Not many games this week. Actually, on Saturday, um, it's only – we don't even know who's going to play because it's the Diamond Head Classic, so we don't know who's going to play on Christmas. Not a lot of games. And then, of course, COVID messing a lot of them up. But we do have two marquee ones we're going to go over that's, as of now, still on. Let's start – let's go in reverse order. Let's start with the big one on Wednesday night. Number eight, Arizona at number 18, Tennessee. Uh, Tommy Lloyd, we've talked about it, coming over from Gonzaga – First-year head coach at Arizona, depleted roster, we thought, but they're ranked inside the top ten, borderline top five. They're going on the road to a place that's notorious tough. This is a good one. I'm glad you just mentioned that because that was going to be one of my main points talking about this game. Is Arizona's really good. They've surprised a lot of people, including me, that they're definitely a top ten, maybe top five uh all season round, but they're coming in from the West Coast all the way down to one of the toughest places to play. Josh, you know better than anyone playing than Thompson Bowling. So, and especially with the good Tennessee squad who's looking to get, you know, a really a major marquee win because they've only really beaten North Carolina, and that's really it. Uh, it should be a good game, and I'm excited to watch Wednesday. Yeah, so f- uh, official prediction. Since it's at Thompson Bowling, I think Arizona takes the L. It's going to be a close game, mid-70s. I think Tennessee wins 77-71. to 71. I badly, badly want to say Arizona because I believe in momentum. I think as talented as they are, um, they, they're, I think they're definitely going to give Tennessee some problems. Ken Palm has this a two-point advantage for the Vols. Yep. He has a 75-73. I think that's about right. I think it's going to be a tight one. And I think you're going to see a kid like Santiago Santiago Vescovi, the, the lefty uh, Argentine senior. I think he's going to hit a shot late in the game that gives him the win. Kendi Chandler is going to continue to play amazing. I'm with you. I've got Tennessee as well. <laughs> Real quick, Tennessee is uh, getting ready to start a four-game stretch. That's brutal for them as well. Arizona, Alabama, Ole Miss, and LSU. Very tough schedule coming up for the Vols. But we both got Tennessee. And the other one, on Tuesday night, we go back to the Big East. Number 22, Xavier at number 9, Villanova, Peyton. We just talked about Villanova not being able to score the basketball. Jack Nunge and Xavier has been very tough-minded. I think this could be a low-scoring game, especially if Villanova does not hit. I think Villanova can hold home court on this one. But I'm going to give it a slight edge, like a 59. Or it's like... 
I'll say Villanova 59-56. I think it's going to be an ugly game, especially if Nova <clears> doesn't <throat> hit. But I think being at home is going to be the slight X factor. I do like the Xavier squad, though. I've talked about it all season. If Villanova wants to win the Big East Conference this year, and Big East is tough, they got a lot of talented teams in the conference this season. They have to win this game. They can't go back-to-back Big East losses in a row. Therefore, I agree with you. I think Villanova's going to find a way to hit some shots, get a, do better on offense, and defend as, the ball as well. So I, I think I like your prediction. Low scoring, low 60s, uh, 63 to 58 Villanova. All right, let's go into our shooting stars sinking ship segment, Peyton. <clears throat> the three teams we want to highlight, Providence, inside the top 25 for the first time this year, coming off the big win against number 20, UConn, in the, that Big East we just mentioned. Ed Cooley, one of the more underrated coaches in the country, um, if you're a big time North or Eastern school, Northeast school, like um, I don't know, name somebody. But if you're one of those big time programs, you'd be mm-hmm. foolish not to call Ed Cooley. The dude can get it done. He's always had Providence since being there in contention, at least in the tournament. Providence on a run at 11 and one inside the top 25 now shooting star. Other shooting star Auburn. They are 11 and one as well. They are <coughs> inside. Are they top 10 now? That's uh, that's 12. Oh, they're 12th. Um, Bruce Pearl, even on the suspension, his son stepped in, Stephen Pearl. They keep winning. Peyton Jamari, uh, Jabari Smith continues yeah. to play well. Walker Kessler had a good game the other night, 19 points. He's starting, starting to, to play a lot starting better. To, that's what I was going to say, starting to play a lot better. North Carolina definitely could have used him. Yes, um, Auburn looking like a very, very – they're making you prove your point right at the preseason when you were really high on them, and I wasn't as high. Auburn starting to turn on. And Peyton, the final shooting star – Oh, baby. Our men's team sucks, but our women's teams had two back-to-back wins against top 25 teams. We beat Kentucky last Sunday, a big rival game, squeaked out a victory there, and we just beat a top 7, top 10 ranked Connecticut squad. 10-game winning streak after we lost our only loss beginning of the season to Arizona. One of the best teams in the nation. We're now third in the AP poll, so we're definitely on a shooting star. And by the way, UConn's women's first time ever losing at the Mohegan Sun. They were 20-0 coming yep. into that. Yep. Good win. Sinking ship, Peyton. North Carolina effort. Not the team, but their effort was went out the window. That's embarrassing. Yep. Louisville, Garbage. hate to do it to you, but you're actually the one that put them on here. Yep. Um, they are definitely going the wrong direction. And Villanova. Um, that's only because of what we mentioned before. They should be a lot better than what they are. They need some marquee wins to start proving that. Because right now they're on the outside. They're barely in the top 25. Yeah. They're 23rd or 24th. Let's go into shout-outs, Peyton, real quick. My three, Savier Wheeler. Of course I had to do it. 26 points, 8 assists, 4 steals in the blowout win against North Carolina. He's starting to turn the corner and a much better bounce back after the atrocious game at Notre Dame. Tevin Brown. This is, by the way, this I call this my all-Kentucky <coughs> shout-out. Savier Wheeler from University of Kentucky. Tevin Brown from Murray State. 33 points, 9 boards, hit 7 threes in the 87-76 win over a decent Chattanooga side. And then the other one from Western Kentucky, Cam Justice. 25 points, a bunch of threes in the win over Louisville. My all-Kentucky shout-out. Well, almost Josh, your final shout-out, you just ended off with Cameron Justice, plays for Western Kentucky. So, therefore, I'm going to start off with talking about the whole Western Kentucky squad. Shout-out to them. They needed this win, got a big-time win in their, you know, bowling green. With everything going around, I'm happy for them. Big-time win for them, and they're definitely a tournament team. My final shout-out goes to, 
I just talked about them, the Louisville women's team just be a top 25, top 15 Kentucky team. That's now five wins in a row against Kentucky. Jeff Walls, one of the best coaches, top three in the nation. And shout out to them. And they beat Connecticut as well, a top 10 team Connecticut squad. So those are my only two shout outs. All right, let's wrap this up like we normally do, Peyton. By the way, we got to give thanks to our friends over at Everything Pro Wrestling, Conrad Cushman Company, and New View Painting, JRO Company. But let's wrap this, uh, this edition of the podcast up with Bank On It. We've been awful this year on Bank On It. I think you've got one, and I've got none. Yeah. So I'm going to even up the odds this, this week. Not many. We've had the two marquee games. This one, I don't know if it'd be a marquee game, but keep an eye on it because you mentioned last week we talked about um, best home court advantages according to Ken Palm so far this season. This week, I don't remember if it's Tuesday or Thursday. I, I don't remember. I forgot to look at the day, but I know it's this week. Kansas rolls into Colorado to play the Buffaloes. Historically, they've had some issues over there in Colorado over the years. And like I said, Ken Palm, the toughest place to play so far as far as home court advantage goes this year. They've already seen Tennessee come over there and beat them this year. I've got Colorado taking down the Jayhawks. Kansas looked a little iffy against Stephen F. Austin at home over the weekend. I think Colorado takes them down. I got Colorado upset in Kansas this week at home, bank on it, Christmas style. So I don't know his first name. Excuse me, I'll pull it up real quick. Okay, there we go. I got his first name now. He leads the nation in blocks. I was going to bank on it that Kentucky is going to beat Louisville by 15 or more. That game's scratch. I can't do that anymore. Therefore, I'm just going to keep it with the same game. Now they're playing West Kentucky. Jamalion Short. I called him Sparks earlier. I meant Sharp. Excuse me. Jamalion Short, 7'5", tallest player in the country. Leads the, block in, or leads the nation in blocks, 6.3 a game. I'm banking on that he gets 10 blocks in this game against Western Ooh, against Kentucky. 10, okay. 10 blocks. They still probably will lose, but I still think he'll be able to block some shots. And 10 blocks, bank on it. Jamal Young Short, right there. Very, very interesting. Um, not put it out of the realm either. So, But there you have it. Like I said, it's kind of a weird episode. It's a Christmas edition. We hope you guys all have a happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving. Or, sorry, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, whatever. I don't even want to tell I'm trying to say anymore. Yeah, but um, let's pray that COVID, or at least the rules change ncaa needs to do something we can't be canceling games anymore of college or college basketball because of covid um especially when vaccinated and all that so we hope you guys have a merry christmas no weekly pickums this week because of christmas i hope you guys enjoy everything um be thankful for what you have especially if you're not go back and look what everybody in western kentucky's dealing with and until next sunday post christmas edition um i'm josh burton my name is peyton burton and we will see you guys post-Christmas for another edition of Everything College Basketball. Until then, Merry Christmas, and we will see you then. Boom! Boom.